What is happening? It is another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. Tonight we are doing a Browns preseason react show with the one and only Ellis Williams of Cleveland.com to the man next to me. Uh, how are we doing tonight, Ellis? I'm doing well, Brad. Happy to be back on. Uh, happy to have you on, sir. Uh, today is August 17th, the year 2000. 21 the browns had practice today a little bit of light work to get light work tomorrow and then we get the giants joint practice later this week we'll hit on that here momentarily but we had some good news today and i want to start off with that ellis uh it is under my understanding or in my understanding that uh ronnie harrison and grant delpit both were back on the field today uh a little bit right yeah they saw a limited return today ronnie and grant both took turns in a full team session and a seven on seven session it was the first two parts of practice you know of course they yeah right they were involved in individual drills early and then you usually see them taper off but today they were in there for a full team session and a full seven on seven session and actually i saw john johnson grant delpit and ronnie harrison all on the field at the same time during a seven on seven rep that is that is outstanding news right there. I, yeah, that's what I wanted to hear. I figured fans would like to hear that. And that's what probably the perfect version of this Joe Woods defense is, right? Three safeties on the field, keeping quarterbacks guessing, and we got our first tease of that today. Yeah, that's fa- that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's what he wants to do, right? I mean, that's what he said. He wants to run whatever 400 snaps of dime or something absurd like that with those guys and uh it's got to start somewhere right uh eight reps up to this point or team team reps up to this point for grant delpit now how do you think that tapers into this this uh action with the giants do you think they'll be easy with these guys i, I they've been very safe and they've gone at a very slow pace to, and i i think that's the way to handle it do you think that they'll get uh delpit and ronnie involved in this stuff on thursday what thursday friday yep correct yeah, yeah, I think they're going to see some action. This team has a very concrete plan with how they bring guys back from injury. For example, on Saturday night, Greedy Williams and Chris Hubbard, both guys coming back from tough injuries from a year ago, both very different injuries. Greedy, of course, dealing with the shoulder and Chris with a knee, but both only played about 18 or 19 snaps against the Jaguars. That just tells you that there's a pitch count. There's a there's rhyme and reason to all this. They're not going on feel or asking guys – for their advice, they've got a whole medical team behind them that makes these decisions. And then Kevin Savansky, Joe Woods, just play them the snap count that they're allotted, and the players have to be cool with that. That's exactly what we saw on Saturday, like I said, with Greedy and Chris Hubbard. It's what we saw today, as I just shared that nugget regarding the three safeties, which is why you can probably expect a, a, a taper into Thursday and Friday and into the second preseason game for those safeties. And it might not, it might be different for Ronnie than it is Grant. They're all going to come back on their, in their own time, their own case by case basis. But as long as we see the reps continue to increase, it's a great sign. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Good timing for them to come back. This seems like you would at this point, you know, Delpit may have enough time to be ready for week one. I don't want to say for sure, but at least gives him a shot, I think, at this point. Um, the other one that everybody was always asking about is is OBJ, and it would appear to me, Ellis, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that they're going to continue to be very careful with him, and I would be shocked if he sees live reps against the Giants. Do you agree with that or not? I completely agree with it. They're at a point with Odell that they're at with Jadavion Clowney, it seems like. There's nothing to prove, and the risk 
is not worth the slightest reward that is probably just chemistry at this point if we're talking about Odell Beckham Jr. and Baker Mayfield. Uh, I urge Browns fans to be patient with Odell through the month of September. Don't expect much from him these next two days with the Giants in town. Don't expect much at all, anything from him, even a sight of him in full pads during the preseason. Even week one in Kansas City, things might take a little bit for him to get rolling. Maybe he only plays 65% of the snaps. What fans need to keep in mind is this is a team with Super Bowl aspirations, meaning they're much more concerned with how they're playing in mid-October, after Thanksgiving, into December. Those important key moments in the calendar when you want to start hitting your stride. Remember, the Browns have a week two game against the Houston Texans. Kevin Stefanski will never admit this, but I'm willing to call that the fourth (laughs) preseason game, if you will. I'm willing to call that the fourth preseason game. So even if things don't, you know, get up to speed in Kansas City. They got that Texans game at home. And yep. then being from Minnesota, I, I'm comfortable even saying this. They are in Minnesota in week four. That's a, a stadium that is enclosed, great for passing the football. And the Vikings have some real question marks at cornerback right now between week two, week four, and really that whole month of September. I think that's when we're going to see Odell get revved up. And then into the month of October, this preseason stuff, it, we're not going to see much of him. Yeah. It makes sense to me. It makes total sense to me. Um, you're watching All Eyes on Cleveland with our uh, Browns preseason react with the very terrific and tremendous uh, Ellis Williams from Cleveland.com. And I've been following all of your work, Ellis, uh, at camp and on your guys' uh, podcast. You guys have been fantastic. So Appreciate that. Uh, I c- commend you guys for your work on all that. Um, let's go back to Saturday night. First thing that jumped out to me, and you tell me what you think is uh, professional performance from from you know the first teamers that did play all the way down to the last guys on uh, that are on the roster at this point. They all were professional. They all looked well coached. I mean, it was a very business like trip, and I, I I was like, this is so Kevin Stefanski stamped. Like, I don't think you could ask for much more as far as the way they handled their business. Yeah, I didn't see many penalty flags, if I'm remembering, right? You know, maybe only two or three things of laundry on the ground. It's really a a testament to the job that Kevin Stefanski on down do with these players, whether, like you said, whether you're Baker Mayfield and Odell, who's not dressed, all the way down to, you know, Johnny Stanton, you know, carrying the ball for a handful of times there at the end. And they they had a 20 play, 10 minute drive that went 89 yards and scored a touchdown. You know, that's as professional offensively as it gets. Uh, the defense held Jacksonville to a shutout up through the fourth quarter, only 129 yards to the first half. It was a, a Browns team that those the first week of the preseason had the aliens come down and just watch. They could have thought that was a, a week one game and perhaps maybe yeah. a playoff game aside from the competition who was on the field. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about some of these guys. I mean, rookies youthful guys on this team and they and they showed out really good performances from guys all over the field let's start with the big one uh jeremiah owosu koromoa uh played a lot of snaps uh but man was he impressive super fast and 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 that's the thing that jumps off is how fast he is and how much ground he covers so quickly uh his athleticism but what else did you see from him that jumped out to you i think just his trust in his instincts when he sees something he reacts to it and he's quick enough to teleport behind the person or blocker in front of him when he does recognize 
he had a, a sweet play to the right, well, from to his right, our left, and he had to take on a pulling tackle, and he shutted that block easily, maintained his leverage, and, and flushed the run back inside towards his help. Uh, of course, on his sack, he was a, a blitzing weak side backer there, uh, really replacing the weak side backer, which was Malcolm Smith, who dropped, but essentially providing that A-gap pressure. And when he goes, he goes. And he, again, put a quick move on the guard, uh, was behind him, and then took on a running back who wanted nothing to do with that blitz and, and blew the play up. There were times where he did react wrong. He was You could see it on tape, and you, he was willing to admit it right after the game. But that tells me that even though he – reacts wrong he's still quick when he does it and that's just a player that isn't overthinking it instead playing fast and that's one of the hardest things for any young player to do is to play fast play within themselves and that's what you saw JOK do on Saturday he was the best player on the field yeah he was and you know the big question mark I think Ellis was like you know is he going to be able to shed blocks and and you know guys at the second level and he did and and his his quickness was still you still able to evade blockers and, and shed blocks and get and I thought that was really impressive. Question now is how how do they use him going forward? Is, I would just like to, them to see him just stick him at the will linebacker and let him be a linebacker. What do you think? That's probably what's going to happen. I think he's going to be too talented to keep off the field. There's another player I think we're going to discuss later that I feel the same way about on the offensive side of the ball. But just from an athletics standpoint, I mean, we already talked about his quick twitch, his reaction time. And then just his overall quickness. He's getting sideline to sideline. He covered somebody in the slot. He is picking up uh, blitzes and, and challenging running backs. He is going to just be too explosive not to have on the field. Now, does that mean he's going to be a guy that never comes off? I doubt it. This is actually an opportunity probably for the Browns to rotate their linebackers, much like they can their two tackle spots and maybe maybe their second pass rusher and just keep guys fresh overall you know they're gonna have options they can go you know in nickel and dime situations anthony walker and jacob phillips they can go anthony walker and jok they can go walker and smith for more coverage they're gonna have options i haven't even named mac wilson or sony takitaki who are both having good camps yeah though this isn't a blue chip room it is a deep one full of you know be talent and someone may be ready to make that jump up into you know a more 85 90 overall style player and right now that looks like jeremiah wusu Kormoro. whether it's soon or later he's probably going to be the guy that separates himself in this room yeah and you just i i look out to the future and i'm like man if, if phillips and him could just work out the speed right. together and the ability to tackle would just be so perfect there and that's what you hope for right um other guys that that flash i mean donovan people's jones you can't not talk about this guy the camp that he's had and then he goes out and does what he did and you know just three catches but they were one of them was an amazing catch and and he's just been terrific from day one of camp all the way through every day basically right and uh you can't stop talking about him and at the beginning i kind of wanted to you know say this is a little bit of camp fodder but at this point do you think that he has leapfrogged Richard Higgins on the depth chart. He 100 has, and that okay. was that was true at training camp, and he solidified that really on the first play of a game in Jacksonville, catching that you know two two three step quick slant. He's just explosive. Whether he needs one hand to go get the football, as he showed on the sidelines on the following drive. I mean, he had 
four targets on the Browns' first 12 plays and five on their first 16. Now, yeah. that's not that's not going to keep up when you get into the season, but this is the player, of course, I was alluding to in the previous question as a guy who's just – they're going to have to play, and they're going to have to put him on the field. If that means more 11 personnel, more one tight end, three receiver sets than the Browns were used to running a year ago, then that's probably what they're going to have to do. This team needs to be explosive and not necessarily – focus on its personnel and it's three three of its best pass catchers right now are Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, and Donovan Peoples Jones. And that doesn't mean anything negatively towards Rashard Higgins. He's gonna get his chances and you really know what Rashard is. He is your your change up receiver, your 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 change of pace guy who is going to go out there and make a play for you. And he'll he's gonna get his chances to do that at some point this year. This was a guy who wasn't active early a year ago either. So Higgins is a guy that will be there when it counts. But as for if we're talking just strictly the depth chart, the number three receiver on the Cleveland Browns is Donovan Peoples-Jones. Yeah, that's what it feels like now. I mean, he got pulled before the rest of those guys, got the starter treatment and everything, um, which is interesting. Uh, you're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. Special guest Ellis Williams, uh, gracious enough to lend us a little bit of a time. I know he's busy. Uh, here tonight to react to uh, what happened in Jacksonville. Demetric Felton. Now, you know, for me, Felton was excellent. Uh, he did everything that, that you wanted to see. He looks like a, a legit weapon on the offensive side of the ball. In fact, he should have had a touchdown, I thought. He beat that guy on the slant over the middle, and Keenum just held onto the ball too long, I felt like, yep. uh, on that fourth and goal. I thought that was six. I thought he had him beat. So my question is... I so I heard how I'll phrase it this way. Uh, pre, let me preface this with Stefanski talked about getting Felton carries. You know, switching him running back and getting him some carries. I think yesterday or today or whenever. Right? W- what happens to Dearness Johnson? Is he expendable in any way, or do you, are you fully feel this is a Dearness Johnson and a Felton thing where they're both going to make the roster and they both serve two different purposes, or? If you see Felton run the ball between the tackles and you're like, hey, he can do this, he can do that. If, if somebody were to get dinged, he can run the ball if we had to run with him. This frees up a, a, a potential roster spot. It's a complicated question. One, I think, is most simply solved by saying, if anything happened to Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt, would this team be comfortable with Demetri Felton taking on key running back reps and as of right now that answer is no because he hasn't taken any right so to me this comes down to Demetri Felton being proving himself as a complete utility player and really answering what I theorized before the game was that he has a skill set that no one else on this team has he's a slot receiver you know I'm confident he can run the football and it'll be interesting when he gets those opportunities but the skill set I saw Saturday was a one-of-a-kind slot receiver in the mold of uh, Danny Amendola. The Browns don't have a guy like that, someone who can win between two and seven yards routinely and play sideline to sideline like that. They have good slot receivers in Jarvis Landry, but not anyone that is that quick of twitch and can win in option routes and angles the way that Demetri Felton does and, and, and then completely catch the football the way he did on Saturday as well. So I'm confident Felton makes his team. This might come down to a returning battle between him and JoJo Natson, another guy who is, of course, a receiver and I thought played well on Saturday. So how this room 
breaks between Felton being a running back or receiver becomes complicated and where he falls on the 53 also becomes a thing where we need to see Dearness Johnson two more weeks probably to really get this sorted out. But I don't think they'd be comfortable playing him at running back, which means I think Dearness is safe, but it, it really it becomes a numbers game and what might happen at return as well. It really does. Uh, another question here as far as uh, depth chart goes, and then I'm going to get into a little bit of where I'm a, con- a little bit concerned here before we go today. Yep. Uh, as we've talked all positive stuff, is most of it was positive. Uh, Richie LeCount, uh, my man, he looked fantastic, uh, breaking on the ball, great coverage, and playing that center field, free safety on the one play, should have had the interception. Red wine's out with the ankle. Does he leapfrog frog, uh, Red wine? Yeah, it's getting tough for Sheldon Redwine here. Richard LeCount was great. Uh, he's a guy they brought in with high hopes. Uh, and finding him in round six, I believe, round five or six, because of his limited 40 time. He you know, he ran a slow 40, I believe it was in the 4.8, 4.7 area. And he had an injury that he attributed to that. But the Browns are a, a team like the Rams or the Bears who haven't – their eyes on receivers that have good GPS tracking, or excuse me, safeties that have good GPS tracking data, rather than just relying on their straight line speed. And LeCount's a guy who did exactly that in the fact that he has such great film recognition and then break on the ball and recognizing what routes are in front of him that he can get to spots before his speed may thus allow him. And that's exactly what you saw Saturday. He's He can get to those spots. He's physical, he's active. And the Browns now all of a sudden are deep at safety when you've got a guy like Glitcher Crump playing, being your fifth guy. Uh, Javante Moffitt is, is the number four safety right now, but, you know, was taking first team reps when Ronnie and Grant rested for the rest of practice today. So it's a deep room until it isn't for whatever that's worth. But <laughs> yeah. having a guy like Richard McConnell as your number five as of right now really bullets well for the depth of that room long term. Okay. All right. So you, th- you think Moffitt's ahead of him then? I do. I think Moffitt's just a guy they trust more overall. Okay. Uh, slightly some more more experience, and, and a guy that they keep putting out there, and and he's making great plays himself. I mean, I think that if you take like the rookie tag off LeCount and just look at those two, we'd be talking about them the same. But you know, we tend to talk about the rookies more because they're the incoming class and deserve that attention. But uh, Moffitt has, seems to have a bit of more of the trust in the coaching staff right now. All right, absolutely. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland. We're doing our react to Browns uh, preseason game one in Jacksonville on Saturday night. Ellis Williams is our guest from Cleveland.com. He's been covering everything Browns since the beginning of camp. He's been all over it all uh, and uh, killing that coverage. I want to talk about uh, interior defensive line and... All right, I don't want to get into the whole Tack McKinley thing. I've talked about it. You know, it's got the personal tag on it. So, for me, it's not – he's not sick. He's not hurt. We know that, right? So, to me, it's either, you know, he has some sort of an issue with his mental illness, which he had a problem with in the past, uh, or it's a family issue. To me, like, that's the personal tag. That's something – that's kind of the direction those things go. The ominous part is the lack of a timetable for return, which is really, you know, questions if he's going to be back. Without Tack in that room, all of a sudden it gets a little short because if, you know, Clowney's, you know, potential to get hurt or, you know, 
miss a game here or there. And if you have to run Porter Gustin out there with, you know, with Garrett, it looks a lot different than it does with, with you know, Garrett and Tack McKinley. There's my concern. So depth there is my concern because I haven't, I didn't see a ton from Weaver that I really liked on Saturday night at all. Uh, you know, Cameron Malvo, he flashes, but it's not like he's a special guy that's going to win one-on-one a ton on the outside. Uh, so, so I don't, re- that concerns me a little. And then even more concerned me, and you can tell me what, I'll let you go here in a second, but I just want to get this out there. On the interior, it's like, okay, Billings was not great in his whatever amount of snaps that he played. Uh, Sheldon Day looked better than anybody out there, I thought. And he got the starter treatment. He got pulled before any of them. And then they let Togiai and, uh, you know, uh, I'm losing everybody's all these guys in this room. I'm losing my mind. Jordan Elliott, Togiai, all the, you know, Marvin Wilson, all those guys got to play the rest of the, you know, a ton of snaps in that game. To me, they're like, say, they're just asking somebody to grab that job and nobody's really grabbing it. Uh, in my opinion. Thoughts? Let's start interior because I think the, the pass rush is a good thing to end on. I think it's a bigger concern than the interior line right now. And okay. I only say that because that's where the money's made, right? Yeah. As for the interior, Sheldon Day has grabbed one of those starting spots. They want to give Andrew Billings as many chances as possible. And I'd say Malik Jackson's another name to watch. He just remains under the radar. It, you know, he, he goes hard at times in camp and then gets some veteran treatment on other situations he's a guy veteran status as i said who i would watch come you know october ish to see what really his usage is if they can get you know sheldon day malik jackson jordan elliott andrew billings that four guys playing with some sort of rotation i think they're going to be fine in there your pass rush concern is starting to become a worry Jadavion Clowney hasn't practiced for you know a handful of days now, and that's not because anything's necessarily wrong. He's just, again, getting that better treatment. I completely understand it. But it just highlights how top-heavy this group is. One guy, one thing happens to either him or Miles Garrett, then you, you really start to wonder how this team's going to generate pressure. Yeah. I, I don't think now's the time to do it, but I it is worth mentioning that this might come back and haunt the Browns front office, specifically GM Andrew Barry and their decision to draft a wide receiver in Andrew Schwartz in a room that is extremely deep, a linebacker in Tony Fields who, you know, injuries aside, just this was going to be a a deep linebacker room in general. Those are two spots, middle-of-the-round draft picks, where you could have went pass rusher and just had more bodies up there. You look at the team like the Buffalo Bills, they went pass rusher, pass rusher in the first two rounds, adding Greg Rousseau and Carlos Basham to go with AJ Vanessa from a year ago. They realize that they need to get after Patrick Mahomes and generate a pass rush. And the best way to do that is probably having as many young and able body athletes as you can rotating up front. The Browns went the other way. They went with star power. They paired Miles Garrett with Jadavion Clowney. It, it probably is going to work, but you already have a lot of question marks about Tack McKinley. And you covered the, all the personal stuff. I'll just say that you cannot count on anything from him as of right now that is just as obvious as it gets if i'm talking like a football coach or a front office guy he's out of the picture you can't even be thinking about him he's not in our building right now we want him back we will support him by any means necessary but you cannot count on him 
to be available. It is that simple. So team building going forward, now you start to question with the ability of hindsight. Did we need to add another receiver? Did we need to add another linebacker? Perhaps we should have addressed the pass rush more. And we'll see. It's a long season. Maybe they bring some guys in. A lot can change. But as of right now, day 14 of training camp, that pass rushing unit is looking thin. Yeah, Ellis, you know, the hardest part, too, is is you could say at this point, like, hey, we need to keep our eyes peeled for this guy or that guy. But the guys that you want that can win one-on-one are going to be on rosters, and there's right. just not that many of them, Ellis. Right, right. And Justin Houston was snagged up by the Baltimore Ravens before camp. You know, it, it, it gets thin. I saw Everson Griffin getting a workout with the Minnesota Vikings here coming up soon. You're right. If they aren't picked up by now, they're going to be picked up very soon. And the Browns don't seem like they'll get aggressive there. And they're really all in with who they got. And yeah. they bet wrong on Tack McKinley and went receiver and linebacker when they should have at least added one more pass rusher. Those will be things we mentioned later on in the year if this season isn't going the way we thought it would. Great stuff from you, as usual, Ellis. Uh, you are a fantastic guest, as always. Oh, I wanted to ask you something. Hang on. Real before. quick, before you go. Yep. Funny funny stuff. I found this. I, I was bringing stuff up for the show, doing a little work here. Here's our show today. I had all the stats ready and stuff, but we didn't need any of them. We were, too, we were on top of it. Yeah, we but, keep it uh, rolling. Have, have, you, have you had any Chub Crunch yet? I have not had any Chub Crunch yet. I saw this on Twitter. Johnny Stan's going to buy 20 boxes. I might need to pull up for uh, two or three of my own. Uh, yeah. Nick Chubb's endorsing it silently i'm sure it's it's a heck of a product just like the way he runs the football look at him he's got he, is he <laughs> supposed to be batman there what is that batman's his guy he, he rides for batman i respect that as, as a as a batman fanatic myself you've never seen bruce wayne and ellis williams in the same spot you've never seen batman and nick chubb in the same spot you never know but True. i think that's the look he's going for and he's pulling it off well we've got to get ourselves some chubb crunch yeah so, cinnamon toast squares so uh are we talking cinnamon toast crunch type style of a cereal here yeah you know he probably doesn't have the patent on the whole cinnamon toast flavoring yet but you know (laughs) a little knock off there and put a a batman light nick chubb on the cover it probably is going to do well out here in cleveland i'm all for it i think so too i i I came across that i had to ask you if you've had a taste yet not yet but uh the word is yeah, good good uh, rumors there. Hey, thanks, Ellis. You're fantastic. You know I'm going to be hitting you up again soon, uh, as always, uh, anytime I can get you. So keep up the good work, though, at camp. And, uh, you know, well, you know, I'm always listening and watching and reading everything you put out there, brother. Thanks for your time. Appreciate the love, man. Let's do it again soon. All right. Take it easy. You are watching All Eyes on Cleveland uh, Browns preseason react show. That was Ellis Williams. Ellis Williams is the best for Cleveland.com. Make sure you follow, read, and listen to everything that Ellis is doing at Book of Ellis on Twitter. Uh, today's August 17th, year 2021. This is All Eyes on Cleveland, as I mentioned. I wanted to go over the schedule real quick and then hit a couple things. Uh, first of all, Tomorrow night we have our we do this once a year and I hooked up with this guy a couple years back and I'm fortunate enough to have him 
in my you know uh, email list. But uh, we have uh, Ken Rogers. He is the showrunner of Hard Knocks at HBO. Uh, he's the VP of NFL Films. And uh, he has done a number of 30 for 30s for ESPN. He will be on the show, uh, talk behind the scenes, hard knocks. If you're not watching, you should be watching hard knocks this year with the Dallas Cowboys. It's been excellent so far. It's excellent every year. But he's always a a great guest uh, ever since the Browns were on. And, you know, what, you know, four years ago now, three years ago now, uh, he has been terrific. Uh, to come on, and he's going to come on the show. Jake Burns is going to stop by, too. We're going to talk some Browns and talk to Ken a little bit about what's going on with the show this year and uh, any behind-the-scenes stuff there. And then on Thursday, we will have, after the first day of joint practice with the Giants, we'll have Corey Kinnon on, which is rescheduled from last week, when we had a power outage here at my home. So that was why uh, the shows got derailed a little bit last week couple rescheduled for this week and we're happy to have Corey on on Thursday night at 8 o'clock tomorrow night will be a 7 p.m. start so we've got a jam-packed week of coverage for you covering Browns camp the joint practice with the Giants uh, everything that's going on there plus our inside the Hard Knocks edition with special uh, Hard Knocks HBO showrunner and VP of NFL Films Ken Rogers tomorrow night as well as Jake Burns potentially stopping by to uh, help with that interview and talk some Browns. All right. Uh, If you want to support All Eyes on Cleveland and the work that we're doing here as we're trying to grow this thing and give you great content uh, just about as much as we can, as many days of the week as we can, we gave you a bonus episode earlier. It's out. I got to talk with Nick Shook, my guy Nick Shook, over at, uh, uh, you know how Zagura does it, Nick Shook. We got Nick Shook from uh, around the NFL on uh, earlier today. Got to talk to him about a lot of the same things we talked here with Ellis about. But that is out. That is released. You can get that. We're all popular podcasts have found a little bonus episode for you of All Eyes on Cleveland. No video, just audio. Uh, you can grab that now. This will be in podcast form as well. If you want to support everything we're doing at All Eyes on Cleveland, go to the website www.alleyesoncleveland.com become a member support us get exclusive content do it today we would greatly appreciate it it's in the link down below too so if you're a fan and you want to support what we're doing uh, that's how you can do it Uh, also some news we have joined the Cleveland Browns discord and we have our own area section in the cleveland browns discord all eyes on cleveland where you can talk anything podcast or questions my way for amas and mailboxes and all that stuff i'll be in there talking browns football all the time so you can go to the cleveland browns discord join there and uh, check out the all eyes on cleveland section there uh, which they were kind enough to throw in uh, for me and for us as I've done an AMA with them before. And they are, it's an awesome community, Brown's community to be a part of. So that's the schedule. That's everything that's going on. My concerns, I believe, are legitimate that I talked to Alice about on the interior. And just want somebody to grab that job on the inside. And I feel like nobody's really just taken it. And, and Willie, you make a good point here you know 
Uh, as he mentions, Sheldon Richardson will be a guy that is always brought up when you come to this. Um, and, you know, it, it's the concern on the D-line is not like, it's not overwhelming. It's just there's a lot of talent there. You just want somebody to grab the job. Like, you know Malik Jackson's going to start and do a good job. He's a pro's pro. Uh, Billings, as for as strong of a guy as he, he is, he got blown off the ball a couple times in that Jacksonville game, and you're just kind of like, how is that happening to a man that large? Um, but Sheldon Day has looked good. Uh, you know, he – I have the stats here from the game, but Sheldon Day – is a guy that has just come on more than anybody else in that room. He had a sack. Uh, he had a, uh, you know, let's see here. Uh, Sheldon Day, two tackles, uh, two assists, one sack, seven yards lost, and a tackle for loss as well, uh, forced fumble as well. So, I mean, he was wreaking havoc out there and got the starter's treatment. They threw him uh, off the field after X amount of snaps and let him rest. It's the other guys that I'm not seeing anything from. On the edge, uh, Not I was really disappointed in Weaver. Uh, you know, we've heard all this stuff about Weaver. Uh, and Curtis Weaver, to me, if that's his transformed body, I'm not really sure what. Uh, I, I don't know what that was. He, he did not, was not impressive to me. Uh, you know, Joe Jackson is actually more impressive to me off the edge than even him and sometimes Malvo. Malvo can move some bodies up there, but when you're going one-on-one, Joe Jackson was more impressive than either of those guys, I thought, in that preseason game. Now, it's hard to tell, too, when you look at that stuff because some guys are going against second stringers, some guys are going against third stringers, and so on and so forth. But something to keep an eye on is that interior defensive line and with Tack on, as Ellis said, you can't count on him to come back. What are they going to do for depth there? Should Clowney miss time? Should Garrett Miles miss time? Um, because, you know, Porter Gustin is a great guy, great motor, but I don't know if he cuts it as your number three overall guy. Uh, you know, some people feel that he can fill that role. I just... I, Tack, I think, is a level above him when he's healthy and full go. And it's going to be hard to fill depth in that room. And that's a concern. How do you get pressure on the quarterback if you're missing one of those two studs that you have out there without Tack McKinley? Um, got a comment here before we get out of here. Ed, my man, Ed in Columbus, always watching. Thanks. Browns D-line looked like the Jags, just a guy in Jacksonville. Yeah. Uh, and I agree. Uh, uh, totally. John Brown, you goofy. Dub. Thanks. Thanks, John. Uh, everybody, uh, thank you guys for watching All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. We're going to get up and out of here. Uh, as I said before, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button on your way out. Big thanks to Ellis Williams. Go catch the Nick Shook uh, interview from earlier. Uh, and uh, stay up on everything Browns. We'll be back tomorrow night with our Inside the Hard Knocks uh, edition. And... Uh, um, thank you so much for uh, watching and uh, stay with us uh, as we continue to put out uh, fantastic 
content. We'll be all over this uh, joint practice uh, with the uh, Giants. Because, honestly, I think this will be my last thought before I get out of here, as I am rambling now. Um, I, I think that uh, the um, Browns coaching staff is going to treat this uh, matchup in joint practice with the Giants as more of a big deal than potentially the preseason game with the Giants, and you may get a little bit of a, a dress rehearsal with Atlanta is kind of what we're hearing out of there. But um, I think a lot of jobs can be won and lost in this Giants joint practice. A lot can be decided here because, as Stefanski said, it's a controlled scenario. They can set up the two-minute you know, two drill. They can set up goal line reps. They can set up, you know, middle of the field, late down throw passing scenarios they can set up whatever scenario they want it's a controlled environment they're not tackling to the ground um and and they can get guys in there and i think that's a lot of jobs can be won or lost in these two days with the giants they always prove to be big when these teams get together like this in in determining who makes a roster who jumps who on that depth chart i think you saw a lot of movement that we sort of saw trending on Saturday night, but a lot of it was really cemented by good performances from those young guys. Like a lot of stuff we saw, like I, for sure, I wanted Richard LeCount and thought from the beginning he would jump red wine. But now he kind of cemented that was a good performance. You know, uh, JOK cemented his trend with a good performance. Same thing with Felton. Donovan Peoples-Jones, all those guys, the guys that we have thought like, hey, this guy looks really good, he could flash, they cemented it with good performances on Saturday night. That's a huge takeaway, the positive takeaway from Saturday night. They look professional, well-coached, positive takeaway. The one negative takeaway is I need somebody to grab that interior defensive line room and run with it. I need somebody that is like a B guy. They got all that B talent in there, as Ella said, to step up and grab that role. Uh, and same thing on the edge. But the thing about the edge, and Ellis makes a good point about this during the interview, is it, there's not the same kind of talent on the edge as there is on the interior defensive line room. Like, I, I feel better that there's a guy in there with Togiai and Day and, uh, you know, Sheldon, uh, not Sheldon, uh, all these guys' names, Jordan Elliott and uh, Marvin Wilson and even Malik McDowell when he comes back, that one of those guys is going to grab that role. I don't know if Curtis Weaver can grab that role out there, and I don't know if Porter Gustin, he can play out there certainly, and he's a motor that goes for days off the edge, but you need somebody opposite Miles Garrett. If Clowney were to miss time and Tack is gone now, we don't know when he's coming back, all of a sudden that room gets really, really weak, I think, as far as depth goes. You have to have somebody that can win one-on-one -on -one opposite Miles, or else you're going to run into the same problems that we've seen in the past. Double teams, chipping guys, chipping Miles, chipping this guy, keeping – Brown's having trouble getting pressure with their front four and having to go dial it up blitz-wise, and, and, and they don't want to have to do that. And if you have Clowney healthy – and you have Garrett healthy, you're going to be able to get pressure with your front four. If you had Tack there, I would feel good about that too. And actually, I would feel better about the interior too because you can kick Clowney inside and have Tack outside. And you know Clowney can play a role inside. 
with tack gone, now that option is kind of moved to the wayside and you really need somebody to step up. I'll done. I'm done. I'll stop preaching about it. It's all eyes on Cleveland. Tomorrow night, Ken Rogers, he's the showrunner of Hard Knocks. He's done 30 for 30s. Uh, the uh, the two bills. He's done the Deion Sanders thirty for thirty. He's fantastic documentarian uh, filmmaker. Uh, he's fantastic, and he'll be with us to talk about this year's Hard Knocks behind the scenes. Give us the inside scoop on all that and his thought on, thoughts on the Browns as usual. Uh, he's a visitor guest with us once a year and friend of show. Uh, fantastic talent, and he is wonderful of him to lend his time to us. Big thanks to Mikey on the ones and twos. Shout out to Ellis Williams for lending us a little bit of time. And Nick Shook for sending uh, interviewing with me earlier today. Catch that where the podcast is available. And with that, we are out. Go to www.alleyesoncleveland.com. Become a member today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John, for the comment in the uh, comments here. Uh, not calling me goofy, but saying we have good content. So thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm goofy too. It's all good. Goofy and goofy and good content. They can go together. Thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, and uh, Mikey, get us out of here, sir. Go Browns. Big, big couple days, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be all over it. Stick with us. All eyes on Cleveland, as Troy Hill would say. They're all eyes on Cleveland. We here. Yeah. And with that, we are out.